Hello. In this final episode of the Emerging Critics podcast from the 2016-2017 programme, I speak with mentor Dave Coates, who runs Dave Poems, a blog devoted to the criticism of poetry. Dave Poems has been running for six years, and for the last two, it's been crowdfunded by a Patreon. This gives Dave a different perspective on criticism from some of the other mentors, as does his uh, continuing status as a PhD student. In this episode, we discuss the mission and manifesto of Dave Poems. We discuss um, academic writing and how to be better readers and how to challenge our own biases as we read and write about literature. I'm here with Dave Coates, who is an emerging critics mentor, a PhD student, and importantly for the purposes of this podcast, who runs a a blog called Dave Poems, which is devoted to the criticism of poetry. Mm -hmm. Through the blog, Dave is um, establishing himself as a freelance critic, which is a wonderful sort of uh, nascent success story, we hope. (laughs) Um, And I would be delighted to hear a little bit about the story of Dave Poems. Okay. Um, I I hope it's replicable. I hope it's not just, you know, there's there's enough for for one. Um, So I I started writing uh, basically on a whim in 2011. I finished a a creative writing masters a couple of years earlier and it kind of let things slip a little bit so um i just started a, a wordpress blog for for fun and just to uh, keep myself writing um and yeah i kind of did that for for a couple of years um working out of the the nls and the spl i think it would have been very difficult starting out um to do that anywhere else but edinburgh because mm. we have such fantastic to, resources. Yeah, right, yeah. right on your Public doorstep. Public resources exactly, as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until a couple of years later that someone suggested to me, uh, you could you could actually ask the publishers for to send a book. This is something that you can do. I, I just never uh, considered it before. Um, and then a couple of years after that, uh, I, I started the uh, Patreon campaign, which is ongoing, and has... Um, allowed me, amongst other things, to uh, pay for all the books that I review, which is very important to me. And so that's a core principle of your blog, really? Yeah, so um, there's there's a sort of mini uh, manifesto thing on the the Mm -hmm. Patreon page. It's just, uh, I think it's patreon.com slash Dave Poems or Dave Coates, I can't remember. It was one of the two. Um, And that sets out what I'm trying to do with the thing. One of the things is that I think... Uh, a good criticism uh, should be as freely available as possible. Um, sometimes that's not possible if you're trying to run a magazine or if you do have mm. bigger overheads than just one person yeah. and a free blog. Um, other ones are uh, that we should be as open as possible about if you're reviewing someone that you know. Absolutely, yeah. Say so. And where, um, yeah, well, what the connections are yeah, as exactly. well. You want to be able to trust you ever you're, mm. you're, you're reading and so you've yeah. almost always in the blog was focused on new poetry yes so that's uh, as far as possible new uh, releases so yeah. in the in the beginning it was often like a few months later mm-hmm. or you know whenever the t.s Eliot shortlist or the forward shortlist came out yeah. um and more recently i've been able to keep keep up a bit more uh 
with brand new releases. Or yeah, even like advanced advanced copies, or yeah, no, maybe not so times. much. Um, if you're uh, if the Patreon is to buy, yeah, I mean, I, I still get things sent through the post, yeah. but. Like, if I end up reviewing them, then I try to buy a copy as well. Ah, of course. Um, okay, okay. So that's, the, the principle is, if you review something and then you buy, you buy a copy and then you pass on the review copy? Yeah. So that, that's the plan. Um, and it's just to, because poetry is a very small economy as it is, mm. so if I can put something back into it, if I can keep the money moving, um, in theory, that... that helps people out and makes the whole thing work a little bit easier yeah um another huge thing that the patreon allowed was to get a a, a handful of um, magazine subscriptions so annual yes. subscriptions to other reviewers and in, in effect um just to absolutely keep, keep a, a, a sense of the field as as a whole at large because yeah. if you if it's just you on a blog there's only so much reading that can be done right yeah exactly yeah. um and it is good to know, like, what the trends are, who is seen as worthy of being reviewed and who's missing out slightly. Um, right. And is that something that's one of the sort of active principles of your blog is to um, extend coverage and, like, include new voices or bring new voices into the conversation? That's right, yeah. So, um, so summer of 2015, um, I decided to... Uh, stop reviewing cisgender heterosexual white men because we get too much coverage is the generally so that meant in a lot of cases having to do a little bit more work looking for for right. books um so you you rely on like word of mouth and um, twitter is a great place to to That's find out who's yeah. publishing what um and it just meant that i got to read a lot of different books so, so books that challenge my own biases and my own uh, mm-hmm. prejudices um, because every critic has them um, whether you're cognizant of them or not and particularly coming through an academic background right. um, you're started off with exactly those people and that can reinforce a lot of A. untrue prejudices that these are the only people writing mm-hmm. A and these are the only people worth reading B and right. that that can stick with you. So when we're deciding that the things that are worth studying mm-hmm. are white people, particularly rich white people, right. um, written by those same people, it narrows not just your experience of literature, but your experience of life. There's a, a huge unexplored part of uh, studying English literature that is it's it's a study of how people exist it's people's stories it's it's not science in that sort of a way there isn't a objective greatness that you can quantify it's um it's just some people's experience of the world and if you're only studying the experiences of a very narrow sliver right. of yeah. the human yeah. thing your only your only expansive gesture here yes um, <laughs> your only your only and you're only validating that it's a reinforcing circle, isn't it? Absolutely. It makes circle gesture. With your group of mentees, then, mm. you've met a couple of times yep. so far, and you've been giving them assignments 
for workshop meetings is that you're all yep. meeting together and um what kind of assignments uh, you know are you is everyone doing poetry or are they choosing or are you assigning text yeah so we we've had two uh, sessions so far um we, i've assigned texts for for both of them and the, the last one coming up um so the first time round we did uh station 11 by annalise St. mandel which is one of my favorite novels it's uh, this amazing sort of post-catastrophe book, but I thought it was interesting because it doesn't spectacularize the the fall of civilization. It's right. it, it remains uh, small scale and uh, compassionate, and ultimately, I think, quite hopeful. Yes, um, about the fact that everyday life will just have to continue, even in the events yeah, of catastrophe. Yeah, kind of. The second one we did was uh, Citizen by uh, Claudia Rankine, um, which was hugely challenging, particularly when I was talking about like uh, challenging uh, mm-hmm. your own position as a critic. It was true right about that. The, the three mentees I'm working with were all white. Yeah. Uh, so trying to position ourselves in relation to the text... Trying to understand the ethics of being white people talking about a book that is about black suffering in yeah. America and the UK. Um, these are all extremely important things, uh, particularly as we were talking about earlier, um, our literary culture is still so dominated by, mm-hmm. uh, well, people like me, um, which is a problem. Um, so, yeah, figuring out how to talk about books that don't get talked about while uh, yeah and I think one of the things you have to as a critic when you particularly when you're sitting down to write a you know a piece that has a word limit and a mm. you know timely deadline <laughs> um that you know you have to decide how much throat how much throat clearing you're going to do on this subject you know you could write sure. your 800 word piece about what it means to write about Claudia Rankine. Yeah, um, and not quite get to the book And not get itself. to the... Yeah. Which is a, partly a problem with the format. Like, if you don't have the space to mm-hmm. properly discuss what's going on around the book as well as yeah. the book, yeah. that suggests a problem with the entire structure of... Right. ...of literary criticism. And so then, in order to write a... The, to, in order to do it well, you have to do all of that. You have to think about that. Mm yourself ahead of time and then produce a review that embodies it sure so best practice or yeah. an evolving practice yeah. anyway that's exactly yeah. it so that's that's something i've trying to be i've tried to be um tried to pass on to the the, mm. the mentees is that this is um not just the three pieces of work that we're going to create right. now this is about being able to uh, to, this is about getting the skills that you need to keep writing in the future. Um, yeah. And a, an extremely important part of that is is recognizing that as long as there are new books, you will need to find new ways of reading those books. Um, and even then, that won't necessarily be rewarded by whatever editorial structures are in place at the moment. Yes. Um, you possibly if so if you if you wrote your eight hundred words on Claudia Rankine and four hundred of them were criticizing the literary critical establishment or structure right. or or whatever, yeah. your editor might send it back and say you need to talk about the book. Right. But if it's a problem that you can talk about the book without 
doing that? Mm. How do we all move forward and, and learn and, and all right. that kind of stuff? Um, so being aware of the the world that you're going to be writing into is yes. as important as the, the, the books that are um, passing through that world, Ab- I guess. Yes, that's, that's absolutely right. And so sort of writing with your reader in mind, but also um, a sort of an eye on the broader conversation um, mm-hmm. that is going on. Yeah. That's fascinating and sounds like a really valuable... Um, I hope so. Um, experience. And how do your students respond to that? Did they come in and say, you know, <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking about this, or did they just write, you know, 800-word pieces? <laughs> they were amazing. They they did so much hard work. Like, we started off with a, a, a relatively straightforward novel, mm-hmm. and they did great stuff. We talked about, you know, how, how do you talk about the themes in a book and all that kind of stuff, all the usual... And then with Rankine, like, I felt slightly bad making that the second one rather than the third one, rather than right. building, sure. building up in a, in a straight line. Um, but they, they really stepped up to the task. There was a lot more research had gone in, for one thing. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more, like, uh, concern to get it right. There are a lot of different ways to get it right. There are a lot of different ways of understanding what right means. Um but there was a real will to put this book into a fuller context. Yes. That wouldn't necessarily have been the case if we had assigned um, something a, a, a else where where the context is a given, and yeah, sort of exactly. everyone knows this context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was great. That was um, really pleasing. I can kind of couldn't have expected it to go better yeah that's um, great so yeah and our, our third book is uh, Expecting by Chitra Ramaswamy wonderful um, which <laughs> is just so great and I'm really looking forward to seeing that so that's I, I think a, a slightly more conventional book in as so far as um, it's not as concerned with structural questions as, yes. as Citizen though it does ask right. quite a few important ones yeah it's, Critics hitherto have been nurtured and trained by newspapers, and now, um, and, and actually, those critics may not have been to university. People would go into journalism straight from school. Right now, the it seems that a more uh, conventional route is to go to university and then maybe do a graduate program of some sort if you're able to do that, mm-hmm. um, and then to become a freelancer. And it's a it's a very different it's it's a, it's a different landscape yeah. it seems and it's one that might perpetuate a sort of middle class dominance. Sure, right? if you're talking about who can afford to go to university or yeah. who can afford to um, have this spare time, mm-hmm. I guess to to keep writing. Right. Like I've personally been very lucky. Like um, I had support from home for a little while. Um, I worked full time for quite a long time between uh, finishing the masters and uh, starting the PhD. There, there's a lot right. of there's a lot of factors in play that I'm very aware of that means yeah. that the route that I've taken is not necessarily open to as many people as I'd like it to be. Um, I think the big question is, you know, who, how do we make sustainable careers for the yeah. the, the writers who who really deserve it? One of the things that um, I've noticed 
uh, in the conversation in in conversation um, with critics and but you know in <laughs> across the world of work in generally general is that um, there's always there's a coyness and a reticence in talking about money yeah <laughs> um, and um, when we've been talking about your blog you've mentioned your Patreon um, and how it's helping you to um, you know. Sp- uh, spread the word about poetry and handing on review copies and buy a review copy and support the poet. Uh-huh. Um, but um, uh, that's part of a sort of bigger picture of, you know, putting together a patchwork sort of income yeah. as a freelancer. Um, so the, uh, the Patreon itself is, is great because it does publicly show whoever's supporting you, like right. exactly how much money you're making uh, per month yeah. or per article whatever it is whatever your um your model is um so for the past several months it's been at around 175 dollars a month um which once you take off the the cut the patreon take and the money that i'm pledging to other creators yes um i get around 115 120 pounds per month which is a more or less the going rate for Mm. one piece of professional level uh criticism yes per month which is how i think about it i'm trying to do more just because there's i don't know it's it's a thing with it's certainly a thing that i felt because i did it for free for so long that doing it for money was Mm kind of cheating okay. and it's it's not it's it's definitely not it's definitely not right, this right. is labor <laughs> i'm working and it's okay to be paid for that but that was like one of the big hurdles that i overcame personally right or i'm trying to overcome yeah was the idea that my work was worth money yes um and that it was okay to ask for money and if people weren't offering money it's okay to say no right so all of these things are very difficult to do, particularly when you're starting off, particularly when you don't have a big portfolio, yeah. um, that you will be more inclined to work for free. The problem with that, obviously, is the structural, uh, the structural one in which you might be able to work for free, but someone else who's just as capable might yeah. not be, right. and that's giving you an opportunity that is cut off to someone else. Yeah. So it's not ideal particularly if there's not a lot of money in the arts there's not a lot of money in arts criticism there's definitely not a lot of money in poetry criticism okay. it's down an, an, uh, an already struggling chain um, so you know I do freelance work for things like the emerging critics um, I do freelance teaching stuff I also have a part time job which um, brings in another source of income so mm. it is a matter of you know, patchworking yourself a living. And doing a very complicated tax return. Yeah. (laughs) The less less said about the better. Um, But having having that openness, I think, is important. And it's something that I look for when when I'm trying to decide which which publications to write mm, for. Absolutely. And when you say then that, you know, if the Patreon brings in about the in the going rate for one post per month, say, but you maybe want to, or need to even, do more than one post per month in order to keep a readership. Sure, yeah. um, That can, you know, I suppose there's a version in which you you sort of think, well, this is the one I'm going to do because I'm being paid to do it, and it's worth 
yeah. it's the worthy part of the work, and then I'll just do this one for fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a bad way of thinking about it. So, I, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to, you know, also figure out a way to make people's contributions worthwhile. Yes. So yes. another of the, the starting things that I, I set up was that uh, twice a year, uh, myself and a friend, uh, Margarita George, make a, um, a zine. So like yeah. a, a small publication to uh, of poetry and art that uh, I send out to uh, contributors over a certain certain level, like five dollars a month. Right, right. Um, and hopefully that gives an an extra little bit of absolutely um, yes. No, calibrating the the rewards for con- contributing is um, a real art. Yeah. I think, and if you do it well, then. You're doing it right. Yeah, but <laughs> it can be very like successful. this. This is a, a thing that, that I, I know a few freelance artists in, in, a, in a bunch of different genres, mm. and it's something that happens all the time. Is yeah. you're almost in battle with the people who are trying to employ you, trying to figure out: Are you going to get try to get me to do work for free? Are you trying to hide how much money is available? How? Right. How much respect are you giving to the people who whose labor you're purchasing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make it a, a lot of work. Like I, I'm very lucky in that I have my own autonomous income. Right. Um, it's not something that through your ever, blog. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, it's not something that you can re- you can rely on. Right. Um, and I do feel very lucky in that that regard. Um. Right, but it's something that has come to you through work and... Yeah, I keep keep trying to remind myself that. Yeah, so it's not just luck. Is your blog a continuation of work that you do um, within the academy, as it were, within the Um, university, um, for your PhD? Or is it a place to... um, you know, uh, break away from the pressure of of that particular kind, you know, of academic criticism. Do you see a difference? Do you see them as continuous? Um, one definitely feeds into the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a sort of rigor as far as the uh, research goes that I've right. learned from academia that mm-hmm. I'm bringing into my work on the blog. Uh, that knowing the context is extremely important and reading around the book, so not just the book itself, but yeah. other things that the, the poet has done before, right. that kind of stuff. Um, and I think things are feeding back the other way as well, like uh, trying to make my academic writing a, a little bit more fun to read, like mm. a little bit less dry. Yeah. Um, I suppose the, the biggest difference between academic criticism and journalistic criticism is the audience. Sure. That academic yeah. criticism is orientated towards other academics. Sure, it's a very special Or students. Right. Who are reading it, who are going to read it in a particular way. Whereas journalistic criticism is orientated towards all readers. Yeah, so that's it's that's the question that I've, I've tried to ask myself is like how much is this con- consumer advice and right. like how much is this like better understanding a piece of art that's mm-hmm. sort of the the ideal that I've been kind of yeah trying to aim towards is that that seems to be what criticism is for is like to understand things better yes. not just to be like 
holding up a, a ruler that has a good book written on it in red yes. pen and just saying, well, this doesn't seem to fit, so right. can't be a good book. Um, it's And it's also like in a, in a really personal way of like my own I, you know experience as a reader mm-hmm. it's a way more fun of reading way more fun uh, uh, kind of reading or approach to reading that uh, the goal isn't to just like evaluate it and yeah. and give it a gold star if it meets your criteria to right. to read it in a way that's you know yeah I think asking why that isn't my criteria for gold stars like oh okay this yes. is doing something completely different that mm-hmm. I I wouldn't I, that I haven't you know learned yeah. how to read before yeah I think one of the things <sighs> that's that's interesting about academic criticism is that it actually shies away from saying that something is good or not um, right so the the word good there is so weighted with so many different pressures like mm-hmm. uh, social political pressures yeah um that just poking at that idea is so important. Right. Like figuring out what constitutes good in an academic setting, like what gets your book onto an introductory syllabus 200 years later. Right. Is such an, that's such a narrow path and, mm. and it does change. Uh, so part of the reason I stopped writing about cis white Whiteman is, um, the last of those people that I reviewed is uh, Jack Underwood, who I really enjoyed. Okay, a, yeah. A really great poet, really interesting and doing, doing fun things. Um, so he got a, a horrible review in The Guardian. He got a, a really nice one first, and then about a week later... Oh, on the same book? On the same book. Oh, wow. And... I I just went no that's not that's not okay and sort of went through the the point the bad the, review okay. point by point and just yeah. went this is this is not just mean in an interpersonal right. level this yes. is bad criticism okay. this is shallow reading yeah. all that right. kind of stuff right. but then I, I realized by the end of it like I'd gone through this entire thing and it was just. Me, a, a white dude talking about another white dude who talking was about. talking about another white dude. And I was like, that's... So, yeah, it was... Uh, someone had pointed this out to me on a Facebook thread. Oh, really? And I was like, that yeah. is true. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, I've been thinking mm. about it for a while. And so, so you, like there was the, an actual incident that made you think you wanted to break out of... Yeah. Uh, a, a, co- you know, break the conversation out a little. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because you can... It's very possible to keep talking about white men until the cows come on you're not going to run out of them um, but you're not going to expand your understanding of, of what's A, what's happening in the, the poetry world for one right. thing and B, what's happening in the rest of the world what are experiences yeah. that are happening to people who aren't white men mm-hmm. um, and yeah that's that's in, a, in an extremely selfish way that's really been beneficial to my uh so my experience of reading, it, yeah. it's it's been great to challenge a lot of the things that, you know, I wouldn't have even thought of had I not uh, actively worked against those biases, like worked against that grain that, yeah. the, you know, that both the academic uh, education and an experience of, of reading literary criticism had prepared me for. 
yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You, are, you are primed to read certain books coming through the, the, the systems that we have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it does take a lot of work to mm. like identify that priming as an active and biased political yeah. action going on in, in, uh, in the way that you read. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, as an in, you know an independent blogger, you are able to um, sort of set you know you you have that autonomy. Yeah. Um, to try and work against that. Um, and have you have you noticed? Uh, do when you've been approached to do freelance work, um, do you find that it's because? Um, that people are asking you to write on the same kind of text that you would review for your blog, or is mm-hmm. is it more mainstream? Some of the uh, it it really varies. Mm. Um, in some ways, it's it's a lot more challenging because it's yeah. rarely things that I would have picked out myself. Yeah, um, and sometimes, like for the blog, because I, I I pick the things that I'm really excited about writing about. It, it's mm-hmm. usually things that I enjoy. In fact, it's almost always things that I think are great. Yeah. Um, so the the handful of times that I, I wrote for another publication last year, it was mostly for really good books. But there were a couple, there were one or two that were like, meh. Like uh, I would have, you know, I probably wouldn't have finished them. Right. If, Didn't have and, to. Yeah. yeah, and that's a that's a whole other set of skills that, particularly if you're going to write for uh, a newspaper, yeah. you're going to get some books onto your desk that are. Just, just okay. Like mm-hmm. not bad. Yes. Like there aren't that many right. bad books. No. Like in a, in an aesthetic sense. Publishers might have done their job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. There's, There's a, a lot there of people involved in the process. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, there's the there's the aesthetic, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you know, valuable, not valuable thing. Right. And there's also the ethical side of things. So yeah. you know, you might have. And it happens in poetry a lot that you might have a book that's very elegantly constructed, very like competently put together, uh, might even sound sound very very lovely, um, but the politics are sort of deeply questionable or mm. actively harmful. Right. Um, and being able to talk about both of those things is a is a hugely and uh, being even being able to separate those things. It's a hugely valuable thing that isn't necessarily taught at university or yeah. encouraged slash rewarded in uh, newspaper or magazine culture. Yeah. Um, and again... And like, it's also something that's hard to do in 800 words. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And with your yeah. restrictions, it's it's, mm. it's hard to mm. raise those things with any kind of... Uh, yeah. So, um, in some ways, is that is that what was sort of cru- one of the crucial messages that you feel motivates your criticism? Yeah, I think so. Um, because it's not just consumer advice. Like that's that's not the only thing that criticism mm. does. And if that's the thing that you're restricting it to, you're you're also restricting you're restricting that criticism to a pre pre-accepted idea or set of norms exactly precisely Um, and that is a deeply politically uh, compromised situation to find yourself in yeah thanks for listening 
I hope you've enjoyed these conversations with some of Scotland's foremost critics. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>